But I'm going to throw the, throw the speakers to, 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 to the uh, wolves. You, you're welcome to render them limb from limb, <coughs> ask them any question you want. The floor is available. Maybe I, I would just jump in and ask Amit, because I was very provoked by that. That, that was an extremely interesting um, set of observations. And I was particularly interested at the end by your saying that you thought the literary, I think you're right about defending the, the literary, uh, perhaps even at the cost of this global monster that is now the prosperity of the novel. Um, although, when I say prosperity, Lee is going to disagree, but. Um, Not always. <laughs> but but um, but I was just, I was interested in your idea that the literary itself has had quite a bad press, and I just wondered what you meant by that, and whether you'd expand oh, I, I, on that. I, I mean, as we know, as you know, James, I mean, from from critical theory, from philosophy. I see. Okay. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. So a certain idea of the of the of the non-academic literary, perhaps, of the values, the sort of things that Ray was talking about. The you know, I mean, I mean, literary words like masterpiece are, are now right. only used by PR agencies. Right. They're not actually used in literature departments. Right. Uh, they might be used in creative writing departments, which is a completely different thing. Right. Uh, thank you very much. Um, well, thank you all very much indeed. Uh, very intriguing points of view. Um, I haven't read Infinity. I have read James Frey. And I thought it was a stunning novel, a very good novel. And in fact, in the re-readability stakes, it would rate highly on my list, although I haven't got around to rereading it. I did read also the sequel, um, which I thought was also a very strong novel. As regards the palava, the brouhaha, uh, when I heard about it, I thought to myself, good on him. He got it published, and many people will have benefited from that and enjoyed it a lot. My question to each of the panel in turn would be, given the brouhaha, so what? Did it matter? Does it matter? And if so, why? Well, as the publisher, I should probably take that <laughs> uh, first. Um, I, of course, um, speaking on behalf of all my marketing colleagues at Faber um, welcome any brouhaha that attends <laughs> any publication. The, Dray, the James Frey one was um, a peculiar one, and I remember myself being offered the book, and um, um, I think it was the middle part of 2004, I think the book was published in 2005. Were you offered it as a novel? I was offered it as a memoir, and the reason I didn't um, bite um, was I didn't think it was a very good book. Um, I didn't like the sentences, and I think this is the interesting thing that, that Amit has hit upon and something that I um, mentioned towards the end of what I said, which is perhaps this book, Ray's book, should have actually been called The Good of the Sentence rather than The Good of the Novel. It seems that this is, anyway, I'm sort of disappearing down a rabbit hole here. Um, but as a publisher, any attention is, is good attention. Um, but I still wouldn't have wanted to have been James Frey's publisher. Um, the main reason for that, though, however, was uh, because I was publishing a very similar book at about the same time, which was called Another Bullshit Night in Suck City, which is a brilliant memoir by Nick Flynn, um, which um, advertising piece has just been turned into a film with Robert De Niro starring. Um, <laughs> but it just shows you that the reasons that um, the reasons uh, publishers... Published books are not always um, 
the right reasons. There's sometimes other obstacles in the way. Thankfully, in this case, I wouldn't have published the book anyway. I haven't really got a question except to ask you please to talk about the pleasure of the novel. You mentioned the pleasure of the novel. And as a, as a reader, I get enormous pleasure out of it. And, and what good does it do me? I, I don't know. But it, I really don't know why, but it has a profound effect on me. And I, I'd, I'd like you to explain why. I've just finished reading Little Dorrit, which is a great experience. Rereading, I might say. Uh, Rereading, I think, is something that we should do more of. But I'd love you to exp explain to me what, what I, because I find such a deep pleasure in it, what is, what, why? Well, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think I can tell you better than you can tell me what pleasure you get out of it. No, I don't. I mean that absolutely seriously. Well, um, I, I do take joy in the sentences, yeah. each sentence. I mean, Dickens is, has, yeah. has wonderful sentences. But also, well, let's talk about Little Dorrit. I mean, the, the wonderful insight into, into things which, when you read it, you think, God, Freud came after this. James Joyce uh, talked like uh, um, Flora Finchie yeah. at, at the end of uh, Ulysses. Um, wow! Um, and, he, and, and the circumlocution office. God, he got that right. Mm -hmm. So one's referring to, it, it always seems to me to, to me anyway, a, a, a come back to life. Mm. Something in life that is expressed so marvelously in, in certain writers. That, that, you know, one, terrific joy out of it and feels yeah. it's enrichment but God knows what it is am I a better person because I've read it I don't know I, I can't say any more than that really so, <laughs> that's exactly what I wanted to hear it's much better than any of us could say it um, it sounded to me I, I completely resonate with what you're saying it sounded to me as if one thing that really excites you is um, some connection to life which is in part a confirmation of it. So, you know, this is how things are. This is, but also not just that, an, an, an invention too. That's to say, when we think about the circumlocution office, it's not that we, it, we do think, yes, Dickens got it right, but we don't also think Dickens went out, as Tom Wolfe says novelists should do with a little notebook, you know, getting the exact uh, coordinates of the actually existing Victorian circumlocution office. No, actually we read it and we think, wow, this is what Kafka would be a little bit later. That's yeah. Another, yeah. Another yeah. So absolutely. No, no. That Dickens was hugely read, of course, by uh, by um, uh, by Kafka. So I don't think uh, um, I, I, it seems to me that the, that combination of confirm, confirmation of the world and the invention of the world, right? It is the fictitious also that we're liking when we when we acknowledge the the real in a book. Uh, which is why it's always irritating to me when I defend the real. People say, oh, it must be re only realism you want. Quite, quite the opposite. It's not, not, I'm not interested in realism particularly as a form. I think all of us at the table have expressed it in different ways a certain kind of um, uh, frustration with realism as a set of machinery or as a, uh, as, as, a, as a set of conventions. But that feeling that, wow, yes, somebody has got it, done something. Um, actually, I came with a, with a quote because... I, was, I anticipated some discussion of the real, and it's something I like. This is from uh, an essay on uh, Van Gogh by the art historian Maya Shapiro. It was published in the 1940s. 
By realism, I do not mean realism in the narrow sense that it is acquired today, but rather the sentiment that external reality is an object of strong desire or need as a possession and potential means of fulfillment of the striving human being and is therefore the necessary ground of art. That seems to me put it well. And then as he goes on to talk about Impressionism, uh, which in many ways one wouldn't necessarily think of as, uh, as, as, um, as, as realism in any sort of strict uh, sense. Um, but that, to me, gets a little bit of what you were, of that particular joy uh, that you're getting when you read Dickens or presumably many other writers. I think a lot of the pleasure is, comes from the fact that most novels are very funny as well. It's what yeah. James is talking about. We, we live in this age of, sort of richly comic novel. We haven't got sort of great tragic novelists. And even very, very serious novels I find very, very funny. Yeah. And, um, and I, you know, it's, it's, it's just the laughter. And what, what I find I'm looking for as I as I read kind of further and further into and out of the canon of um, novels which aren't funny, which give me pain, which I think is why I like novels like Intimacy, because they're actually almost unbearably hard mm -hmm. to read. I get a great pleasure out of dreadful situations. And I think uh, it's like mm. going to see King Lear. I say, it's such a pleasurable experience seeing King Lear. What do you mean? <laughs> People's <laughs> eyes are put out. Madness. I think but yet, God, there's pleasure in it. Yeah. Well, I think this is the great genius of mystery that lies at the heart of the novel. Um, James mentioned one thing, which was the novel, the novel depicts how we actually live. And Francis talked about the reframing of the real. And it seems to me that the novel performs a function of a, of a particularly benign mirror. We can look into it, and we're very happy to see a nice image back of ourselves, but we're also just as content to see something that is perhaps less pleasant. And that's the, that's the oddness of the novel, that it reflects back to us everything, every aspect of our character and our failings and our, um, our goodness at the same time. Where you think the novel is going in, in relation to uh, what you might call the real. It seems to me so many other art forms now you know, film is all based on a true story. Television has turned into reality television, and uh, even the dramas are sort of docudramas. Uh, the sort of big movies like Man on Wire and and Touching the Void. It's all about being real. It's about being even the, you know the novels you talked about, intimacy and that. That so much of of so many other art forms, it seems to me, is all about documentary realism. You know, you, you read reviews of film, it's fantastic because the period detail was absolutely spot on. It seems to me any fool can get the, the period detail spot on. You just <laughs> go to, a, you know, a, a, the right prop house. But so where does the novel go, do you think? You know, is, are we looking for more stuff based on true stories? Are audiences, maybe as a publisher, you might be able to say, Lee, are, do you think audiences, uh, readers are looking for for more of that real, or is there a reaction against that? You know, is the novel one of the forms that can resist that push to be documentary realism all the time? Well, I think part of the question is what's the what's the benefit of a of a form, i.e., the novel that just presents back to us what we already know, and um, it is something that concerns me. The um, not only the, um, the 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 small amount of of um, of fiction outside of the the dominant realist tradition that is published today, but the um, the little that I feel is being written um, 
the interesting thing potentially, I mean, I think we've seen the great modernist, postmodernist, and metafictional experiments of the past hundred years. I think that they have, um, uh, through a process of natural wastage, they've performed their function. I hope, I sincerely hope, that the past twenty years or so, which have seen these um, ex more experimental forms um, abase, that with the development of new technology, which is going to afford um, novelists um, uh, the ability to look at form in a, in a new way, an entirely new way. We can't even conceive of what, within a year, 18 months' time, the technology is going to afford a novelist imaginatively. I hope that these things are going to come back and that the, the dominance of the realist form is going to, um, is going to pass, or at least be challenged, because um, it isn't being challenged at the moment. Well, there are very few people. I mean, sadly, of course, David Foster Wallace was the preeminent challenger of that, but um, no longer. Hiya. Um, I'd like to ask, um, Stephen Dedalus uh, says, when he's thinking about becoming a writer, he says um, he imagines forging on the anvil of his soul the uncreated conscience of his race. And the book that that makes me think about is Jonathan Franzen's Freedom. And so I wanted to, to take the title of your book um, literally and ask, can the novel do any good? James, no fiction works. You tell us. <laughs> I, d I don't n quite know what you mean. Uh, and again, it's, I'm not... Uh, 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 I just mean... Um, uh, what, so when you say, can it do any good, what, what good do you mean? Yeah, I'm absolutely certain they can, for sure. Um, I think they, uh, I mean, we, we've all had that experience. Um, um, I, th I think it was Francis who put it nicely, that thing of, you know, it, sh it should be, you, you leave a party changed because it was an extraordinary evening that you had, or extraordinary night that you had. Um, I think novels, short stories indeed, um, uh, should work like that uh, for us, and so they must be changing people's minds the whole time. Um, I know, as I said in, in my introduction, that that the novel as a particular form of freedom, to use that word, had that effect on me when I was growing up. Um, it was an absolutely formative one, and interestingly, my parents, uh, who were quite evangelical, did um, have that old-fashioned um, Christian suspicion of fiction, of precisely that liberality. Um, they saw it and they knew, they, did, they knew without having to read in that old circular way, they knew what was inside those pages and they didn't want me having any, any part of it. So I distinctly remember when, uh, when Granta did that, um, uh, that, that edition of Dirty Realism um, that I brought home brought home Granta's Dirty Realism and then the follow-up volume, which was called More Dirt. And uh, I left this on the table in the kitchen by accident. And uh, my, my father came in and said, I, I need to have a word with you. And I said, what about? And he said, about your reading habits. I said, reading habits? He said, we found a book on the kitchen table. It's called More Dirt. And I said, oh, oh well, that's just a literary thing. You know, it means, you know, sort of seedy, you know, underbelly, um, you know, trailers, uh, prostitutes. And he said, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, talking of novels that change the world, it's often strange novels. Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin, I should think, and there's that Russian novel, Chernyshevsky or something, that probably half produced the Russian Revolution. That wasn't my point. I, I was going to say something in defense of realism, because that business of representing, which got you so excited, and it seems to be fundamental to our humanness somehow, making images of things, it excites us, it has from the beginning is actually just such a, an opaque process. And sometimes Lee, quite rightly waxing enthusiastic about experimental novels, um, it, you, you can sound as if realism is easy. Whereas the thing is about all those so-called realist novels is they're not very good. And they fail to represent what things are really like. And the process of writing a novel that tells some truth about how things are and what it's like to be alive and what a given moment in London in 2011 or, or whatever is like is immensely difficult. It's all in the sentences, as you've all said, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a far more complex business. Sometimes in that modernism versus realism standoff, realism gets sold slightly down the river, I think. That's what I wanted to say. I don't know what you think I, about well, that. I, I completely acknowledge that. I won't. I, I won't um, personally respond to it. I think just to just to qualify what I was saying, I think that the balance has swung so firmly in favour of um, the the realist perspective within the novel that um, someone and some publishers, some novelists need to start writing them, but some publishers um, should you know, should engage with the form more. Thank you. Uh, just like to go back a couple of paces. Um, the panel seemed to be quite convinced that uh, the novel has changed people's minds, etc., etc. Great novels, great works. Uh, but if I could uh, just paraphrase Adorno, which was um, poetry didn't save one life in Auschwitz. Um, one could also extend that, perhaps, to novel writing. Uh, I wonder how novelists feel about that kind of statement? Do you feel frustrated? Well, um, you, you're paraphrasing what he said about poetry. I mean, um, that basically writing poetry was not viable after Auschwitz. You know, I mean, it, it, it was not morally defensible. Um, and it's, it's, it's uh, uh, it, 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 I have to say, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm not interested in, uh, in, in sort of uh, making differences between you know, um, East, West, uh, um, colonial, uh, whatever, uh, modernist. But it, it is a peculiarly um, Western problem, this one, which has then kind of become a universal one, been translated into a universal one. Um, so um, basically, art having to take the moral brunt of what some people in the West did and bear that responsibility uh, is, is, is what uh, leads to that statement and is the legacy of that statement. Um, it, I mean, if I, look at, if I look at the 20th century in, in India, for instance, it's, it's, it's a very exciting time for modernity. Uh, lots of people are doing extremely interesting things, including, uh, you know, uh, 
the kind of experiments they're, they're, they're doing in culture and writing. Um, of course, traumatic things happen. They happen all, all the time. But um, there's no sense of a, a, a definitive trauma that then silences you. Uh, if, if you look at the 20th century, let's say, in, in, in India, it's, it's quite the opposite. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a kind of, um, it, 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 it's, it's, a very, it's a very powerful statement which has been very influential. I think, as I said, it, it shifts the, the responsibility from um, a set of human beings onto the work of art. Uh, and, and, and that is, um, has been very problematic, I think. Uh, but there is a, a reaction against it now, I think, in, in, in America, and, and, and uh, maybe even here, uh, to do with the way we speak about art, literature, the novel. I mean, we've been talking about the novel so far. Uh, in, in, in many regards, what we mean is actually that, that discredited term art, you know, when somebody spoke about life, you know, uh, giving us a renewed sense of, of the living is, is what art in many ways does. Um, and I think now we've come to a point when we can say this is what it does as uh, a Renaissance scholar from Chicago University, whose name I've completely forgotten, uh, says we must do without any regard for relevance study literature, study it without any um, thought of the relevance or the importance of that study in extra literary terms. I'm not putting it very well. I'm not putting it in his words. His words are simple. Interestingly, they escape sounding old fogish and conservative. That's, that's because the opposite has been such an orthodoxy for such a, such, such a long time now, and has been such a default mode for such a long time now, and also the, the, the opposite has been so comfortably appropriated and embraced by the market, by the free market, that for somebody to suddenly speak up for the superfluous sounds extremely youthful. Mm. <laughs> it should also be said that, that Adorno actually revoked some of the force of that. Um, I mean, he realized that that backs you into a dead end, which the poet Mark Strand wittily did a commentary on when he said, after Auschwitz, no one should have any lunch. Um, <laughs> and not, I mean, it's funny, but it's also a serious joke, uh, which gets at the, at the problem with such, a, with such a statement. After Auschwitz, no God. After Auschwitz, nothing. But life goes on, including poetry. Benjamin Martins. There's a nice essay by C.P. Snow on this in Variety of Men in which he's talking about Robert Frost, who apparently once said to him that if I thought that by writing about the poor I would help them, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> and on the other hand, which adds to what's been discussed beforehand, there is some consolation in that, because presumably one of the things that consoles us about not just the novel but any form of art is the fact that no matter how bad things are, we remain curious about them because the world is being revealed. And I think there is something to be said for ineffectual art. Hi, um, I just wanted to ask a question that I thought would bring together 
technology and realism and Amit, what you were saying about oh, sorry what you were saying about bringing back the the living in kind of five to ten years maybe not even so much there'll be a group of young novelist novelists who will have lived the bulk of their kind of formative life with things like Facebook and Twitter where they've got access to hundreds of lives but they're kind of carefully curated you untag your photos that are unflattering you post statuses that are witty or mm. quoted from someone and I wonder where the panel thought that would kind of direct novels in terms of whether it would go more realistic to try and compensate for the fact that we're basically lied to the whole time or, or, or whether it would skew things even further um, further away from this is one of my colleagues, I've got no idea. I, mean, I, I can't believe he's got the audacity to ask this such a difficult question. <laughs> uh, the, the, I, I have absolutely no idea. Can I just... Uh, but, I, but I'm hopeful, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that these new ways of communicating, and let's remember that they are, what well, Facebook is eight years old, perhaps, that they are inevitably going to have an effect on the what is still the dominant narrative form of today, which is the novel. Um, an entire novel written through correspondence feeds on Facebook fills me with horror. But there may well be somebody who is um, intelligent enough to, to, to interpret a way to present it in a, in a palatable and intelligent way. Um, maybe you should do it, Ian. <laughs> Can I just add uh, something briefly on this whole business of realism and, and reality, uh, which, which has come up uh, earlier? Um, and and um, I mean, I, I think there are, there are obvious uh, differences of style, generic differences, which are all valuable, but they also kind of break down. So, I mean, in the sense that, you know, Rushdie, for instance, is not supposed to be a, a realist. Uh, in the end, uh, towards the latter half of his career, uh, goes through all the motions of adding non-realist uh, sort of features to his writing, to his novels, with all the laboriousness of, of, of realists. <laughs> Basically, what I mean is not being a realist doesn't make you free. Uh, the, 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 the problem that Virginia Woolf spoke about and which still resonates with all of us who write, you know, the awful business of the realist novelist to, to, to describe what happens between breakfast and dinner, is, uh, is the awful business of every writer, whether they're writing about flying elephants or uh, breakfast and dinner. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, the, again, if it, the, 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 the generic or, uh, uh, difference keeps breaking down. So you look at Metamorphosis by Kafka. Um, you see an amazing analysis there of, of a lower middle class, middle class aspirational family, which could belong to realist fiction. Uh, the violin playing uh, sister, uh, and um, the, the 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 cockroaches or the the, the giant insects changed dietary uh, habits. Uh, he is suddenly more interested in the in the rotten apple apple peels and things which uh, which are lying, and th and and those are evoked with with the. Uh, precision and feel of the greatest realist. Um, so, I, and, and the last example is P 
Pessoa, who creates these heteronyms, who creates personae through, through, uh, through which he writes different styles of, uh, of poetry. And one of them is actually a naive nature poet, uh, and, and, and who ends the, the sequence of nature poems saying, and I was the only true nature poet. Now, uh, you, don't dis you don't discount that statement. You don't say that this is, um, is just uh, play acting or make believe, somebody uh, trying to conjure up what a nature poet would sound like. You know it is a, a heteronym, it is a persona, and yet you don't discount the validity of that statement, I was the true, uh, I, I, am the, uh, I was the only nature poet. And, and so I think um, it's, it's a very difficult one as to what the effect of reality and how it occurs in, in literary work is. It doesn't necessarily come with the wind, window dressing of realism or fantasy. And uh, the last thing is you speak about the Facebook and Twitter generation. Um, now, those people have, have already begun producing uh, novels, essays, and editing magazines. I think uh, the, the American magazine N Plus One is, is, you know, is, is a magazine produced by sort of smart-ass Harvard graduates who are probably Facebook, uh, Facebookers and Twitterers. Uh, but at the same time, uh, represent a, an interesting development in that they are people who uh, know all about critical theory and yet don't discount the validity of the aesthetic. And th this, is, this is some kind of new, new kind of uh, formation, something new happening over there. They are also uh, more or less true, full-blown inhabitants of postmodernity. You know, most postmoderns post were people who started out as moderns and at some point became postmoderns. You know, like, like Jameson, for instance. Now, he's a, he's a modernist and then he turns around and becomes a postmodernist. He's not actually a true, full-blown postmodern. These people are, they grew up in postmodernity. They probably have very little memory of what happened before the fall of the Berlin Wall. And, and there's, there's something interesting happening there with, with, with what they're writing. Thank you. Um, I have a question for Amit Chaudhary. No, I, I've done my <laughs> you, you, you made a very uh, interesting observation about the globalization of the novel. But since the 90s, I'm talking specifically about India, novelists have become a commodity who have been conscripted into this narrative of a rising India. To what extent is it the novelist's job? To what extent is the novelist obliged, an intellectual obliged, to repudiate that? If you were to be conscripted at the peak, I would say, in the 90s when the BJP was in power, virtually every major Indian novelist in English was conscripted. What would, what do was you what, think? Sorry? Every major Indian novelist writing in English right. was co-opted into this narrative of a rising India. You were an example of how great India had become. Me? Your success. <laughs> an Indian novelist's success. Kind of yes, yeah. an Indian novelist's success in English. To what extent is it the role of the novelist to, to repudiate that? It's, it's an important role. If, if the, if not the novelist, but, but the writer. If, if the writer has... Uh, any important role, it is to repudiate the grand narrative. It, 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 it's an important role. I think we've got to draw proceedings to a close here. Glenn O'Brien once said that we must keep the wolf from the door to prevent him from getting out. And as I listened to the dialogue passing between the two tonight, I think I finally understood what he meant. 
Um, I just want to again thank the um, contributors to this book for their, for their patience and for the quality of the contributions. It's on sale here at a price that an academic publisher can only dream of. It makes ideal summer reading the perfect Christmas gifts and no home should be without it. And that's a university press marketing campaign. Um, Ahmed, Francis, Lee, James, thank you so much for the quality and quantity of your contributions to um, this discussion this evening. Adorno has been much quoted. He also said one, something else that was very important. He said, there's nothing the aesthetic can produce which resembles the experience of drunkenness. We, we aim to test that in the Museum Tavern after this event. He did say that. No, I'm not making it up. To, you can Google that. It's a, um, come join us for a drink if you can. But thank you very much for coming along and making this an evening of note. We're very grateful for your presence. Thank you.